Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual talking with shadows. The conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Waitley. And Marcus D. And today, I want to throw out a special thanks to Laughing Fox. You know what you did. We know, guys, that it's been a few days since that we put our last episode. We've started our whole conversation about ghost towns off a little late. We apologize about it. However, we're here back. We're going to have a whole month-long talk about ghost towns, and I'm super Super excited about that. Oh, yeah. We got some cool stuff coming up for you guys. But before we do that, what are we drinking today, Vic? Okay. I am drinking Virtue Cider Rosé. They come in a very nice pink bottle. And I am drinking a Warsteiner. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Try that again, man. Warsteiner? I thought it said... Var. Varsteiner. That's a Varsteiner. W, man. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's not an English beer. It's pronounced Varsteiner. I, I'm i sorry that I mispronounced. I'm sorry that I mispronounced. Also, like, if you just look at it, it... I've never seen a beer that just doesn't look more like a diet beer. Just in the logo. <laughs> no. Like, you just have to see the logo to know Var, what I'm talking Varsteiner about. Varsteiner's awesome. Varsteiner not, was the first beer I ever had that I did not steal out of my dad's horse trailer. So it was the first cold beer I ever had. I'm not saying that it that it's bad. I'm just saying the logo and the look, it makes it look like diet beer. I don't, I, I know that's not a, like, okay, no, no, it looks like diet caffeine free beer. Diet caffeine free beer. Because it, it's that, all that, golden it and stuff. So I, I'll give you that the look's a little dated or one could say the look is classic. Like, that's true. It does say premium beer and it is silver it is and premium. gold. Okay. I'm going to pop this open and see how this tastes. Okay. I, this, I said bottles earlier, but mine are in cans. <laughs> I don't know why your, I said bottles. Open your can cider. Mmm. Oh, wow. Oh, have you never had Varsteiner before? That is a foamy beer. Hang on. So is this your first time trying Varsteiner? First time trying it. You know what's weird? Okay. It tastes a lot like Budweiser, and then at the very end, it gets refreshing. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best way to describe it. It's like, I'm like, this just tastes like, oh, no, no, no. There we go. Pinky up. Pink. It, made, it made me pop my pink. It did. I drank it, and I'm like, oh. then it made me pop my pinky at the very end. This is a premium beer. I, I, I'm personally a big fan of Bar Center. I really like it. I bought a bunch for a party I had earlier this month. This is pretty and good. And then... Um, well, that was just kind of something that we had left over. I apologize to Varsteiner. That is a very good beer. I, I'm surprised you've never had one before. Even though you look, it is a. I will say it is a good premium beer. That is a good. That is a good taste. This rosé is the only thing from the um, Virtue Cider Pack that I had that I had not tried, and I do like. There is not one in there I dislike. We drink a lot of rosés on this on this podcast. By I the like way, ro- rosés are a good wine. They're good. I mean, we drink a lot of them. Yeah. But um, the best one out there was definitely the pear. The pear's really good, I, but I'm a sucker for pear cider. But the rosé is also good. It was cool. All right, guys. Time to move on to the comments for today's episode. If you didn't check out our last episode, uh, I highly oh, wait, recommend we have it. Two episodes worth we of do, comments. Don't we, we do have two episodes of comments worth. Of, I'm going to pull up the other one because I forgot about that as we were talking. the The first episode that we will do will be our last episode that we did, uh, which was uh, talking about missing 401 and the fairy connection. And a possible connection to fairies, where we had the awesome guests, for, uh, Eric and Jessica oh, from. Oh my god, they were so much fun! I, yeah, from Perryland Paranormal Podcast. Big shout out to you guys. I really get a chance where I can really just grab a hold of like a guest and us together beat the crud out of a topic, <laughs> and I kind we of did. felt like that's what happened. We did, and there was so much to talk about it too. I I know that they ended up actually taking our episode and then just continuing the conversation amongst themselves actually on their own podcast, which was super cool. That sounds like a nice thing for all of you to go check out. Uh, I 100%. You guys should absolutely go check out Prairie Land Paranormal Podcast, which is awesome because anytime that we start talking about the paranormal, it's really cool because one of the things we want people to do is have more conversations okay. about the paranormal topics that we cover, which is great. So, all right. Here we go. Uh Chill5709, patron, says, first all, awesome talking. Please do a cover on Thunderbirds one day. Oh, no, I've been no. really pushing that. No. I really want to do one. No. Uh, if you guys end up doing... Uh, <laughs> just move, moving on. If you, if you guys 
end up doing haunted towns. It'd be really cool if I shared with you my experiences in the trailer park I lived in during middle school. I've always been poor uh, and lived in North Carolina. Please don't judge. How no, are we no going to judge, man. man? We both, me, me and Vic grew up dirt poor. Who are we going <laughs> to judge, man? You should see the state of our studio now. <laughs> like, well, I, the, your side to... is, you don't clean the beer bottles up from your side. So it's like a history Dude, of all the past ones. You had like uh, t- like two months of your laundry sitting on your side of the door Okay, in my to defense, get in. In my defense, what happened was this. I was about to, uh, this this involves that party we were having. I had some laundry bags. I'm like, oh, crud, I need to get these somewhere. So I just threw them in the recording studio. I'm like, oh, I'll come back and get them tomorrow. And then when we came in today, they're still there. It looks like <laughs> someone robbed a Hot Topic and stashed it in this room is what happened. Thank you for the compliment on the way me and Ellie dress. I wasn't dismissing how you guys dress. I was just saying that's what it just looked like. And that I was, was just a saying thank fact. you for the compliment. But, but please continue. Please oh, continue. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh... <laughs> uh uh, would it would definitely be relevant because legitimately most of my paranormal accounts actually happened there. Uh, like not just uh, my at the time home, me and several others experienced multiple freaky things happening all over the trailer park. And one encounter that scared me and my buddy away uh, from the nearby church. We ran inside, didn't ever go back again after the bus dropped us uh, at home that night. The idea that an entire area instead of just one property is very fa- haunted is very fascinating and frightening. Which would be awesome. And actually, I did. I did say, actually, I replied back to this. We would love to to hear your story. So we actually have a story from Chill that Ooh. we probably will actually cover at some point. Nice. Also, mm-hmm. I would like to point something out. He is a patron. Oh, absolutely. And is requesting a topic. Okay, first of all, <laughs> we don't need to talk about giant birds. For those of you who may not be part of the channel for long enough to know this about Marcus... Marcus is scared of birds due to an unfortunate attack by a blue jay when he's very young. So nowadays, he won't let us do bird topics. And I really want to talk about Thunderbird. I am not scared of birds. <laughs> They're just insidious animals that sit all day long plotting our demise. And yes, that definitely sounds like something someone would say who is not scared of birds. That is a rational Next conversation. Next comment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um... Jay the Phoenix says, this reminds me of the Missing 4-1 style dream that I had. It was at my old work when someone vanished suddenly. For some reason, I was drawn to that part of the road running through the property and demanding people help me dig it up. When we did, the person was bar- a person. The person was buried underneath. Made me, really made me wonder, is it possible some of these people are becoming lost and going underground? Uh, I've heard a story about a hunter entering a cave in Russia and being attacked by a huge... A uh, periosaur or bat-like creature barely escaped, lost several fingers, and that was with a gun. What lies below? Would you ever go into a cave, Marcus? Okay. First of all, would I ever go into? Would I ever go into a cave? Uh, the answer to that is no. <laughs> also, please send that uh, that's a link to, to that story because I'd like to discuss that at some point. Okay, hang on. So let me freeze it. Sorry, mostly the main reason why is because I've read way too many accounts of people being trapped inside of caves and not getting out. They are scary. Like, our entire trip to Mammoth Cave, in which there's a gravestone that, like, cave, like, explorers put pennies on and, and change on to get blessings when they go into this cave so they don't, so they don't get stuck. Yep. Also, if you've ever listened to our, us talking about the massive amount of possible, like, fae-like goblin there creatures. There are goblins lurking somewhere in the cave. underground that of which I am positive. And it's probably not going to be like Gollum and Lord of the Rings where you've got to win a riddle contest <laughs> to get out. You're probably just not coming out. You know, I am very much a city person. <laughs> like, I will take the most scariest city you can imagine and be just fine. Put me out in the caves of wilderness, things start getting And hairy. I'm a country person, but I don't go past where I can see the entrance. Mm. That's all the further I go into a cave. Mm. Uh, Mary Grace said, yes, please have Prairieland Paranormal back for another podcast. You all are awesome. Happy Halloween. Definitely want to have him back, though. Absolutely. SD Guy in 2020 said, yo, just found the channel. Very informative and chill. Definitely a nice thing to listen to on the commute. Thank you. I agree. Absolutely. Thank you. We're very glad. I hope you continue to enjoy it. Okay. Angela Stats says, two things. I was chased by a mountain lion and saw a blue flying illuminated person about five inches tall. Interesting. That's pretty fascinating. Angela, right please there. tell us more. Reach yeah. out and tell us a little bit more about that story. I would be very much like to hear about that particular story. 
Uh, and Lee Shan said, first, happy uh, Halloween day. Let's go. Nice. Awesome. So the episode we did that was Missing 411 Conspiracies, where we talked about all the different possible like conspiracies and cover-ups, possible human involvement that might be going on within the Missing 411 phenomenon. XP0X said, the human aspect I've always found, I've always wondered about in Missing 411 cases are the ones where they say groups like the Green Berets are sent in. When you hear stuff like that, it makes you think something is up. About whether or not if, like the government is involved in covering up a lot of stuff like this. Definitely at least knowledgeable. That oh, is God. what I think. They're definitely at least knowledgeable, if not copable. Yeah, if you like stuff like that, a movie that I highly recommend is uh, the movie. It's, oh, God, was it The Man Who Shot and Killed Hitler and Bigfoot? It's got Sam Elliott in it, and it is absolutely a fantastic. If you like that kind of stories, highly recommend you get that. Because Sam Elliott plays like this hunter guy. That supposedly like killed Hitler, and then like they the government sends him in to, sh- to attack Bigfoot. You got to watch it for the reasons why. I thought it was going to be a goofy movie. It's actually really really cool. I need to see this. Yes, I know. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a dumb movie when it was put on, and it was actually super awesome. Uh, Mary Grace said, "Happy anniversary, guys! Hope you guys have many more years." I know. I certainly plan to. Absolutely. Yeah, we thanked everybody because that was uh, our two year anniversary when we put that episode out. Laughing Fox Patreon said. What a waste naming it the Red Market. They uh, they could have named, should I name it, the Oregon Trail. Oh, my God. <laughs> such what? an awesome name. Oh, that's so oh. terrible. Keep them coming, man. Oh, my God. That is so <laughs> terrible and clever at the same it's time. It's moments like this that makes me glad I do not read the comments until this. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, on Vic's first point about city versus wilderness energy and supernatural manifestations, our world has been covered in trees and full of animals for literally hundreds of millions of years. Evolution has shaped each creature to fill every niche we can think of and many more we never considered. Whereas modern civilization full of light and electricity 24-7 has only been around for, at best, 200 years. Would it not make more sense then for the majority of these entities to draw energy from the natural sources out in the woods because that's just where they have lived for thousands of years? That would make the ones that cluster around electricity be the outliers. Either new kinds of entities or new behaviors from old entities making the phenomenon seem to be new. I think part of where we live, what we have here is a confirmation bias. We notice these things because they happen to us and disrupt our carefully crafted and curated routines in and around cities, whereas out in the woods that most people are unaccustomed to, things that might mark the presence or passage of one of those unseen entities it's ignored or attributed to an animal or some, or some such. It's been a while since I made the comment, so I don't remember exactly what I was saying, but I want to say at that point I was discussing um, a theory by the by the Warrens. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I was talking about then. But I'd say no, what, what you're saying here makes sense. And I actually really like looking into um, how biology adapts to the city. Mm-hmm. I always find that very fascinating. Nighthawk says, I think a lot of the missing person cases are never resolved are do, that are never resolved are due to human trafficking. Many people have no idea just how massive and active human trafficking is, even in countries like the U.S. Vulnerable people are kidnapped and likely sent off to where they will never be found. Their fates are entirely unknown. It's absolutely terrifying to think about it happening to you or someone you care about. You know, I, 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 I think that's the I think that statement about that we don't know how how prevalent it is is something that's actually true and most people don't know. And actually, I think we commented about that actually in the episode where I said even when they were trying to give statistics on, like, how, like, much illegal organs are harvested, like, they, people just don't know. So, you know, it's, 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 it, would, it would not surprise me if that, if that would be the cause about some of the stuff I'm missing for one. But at the same time, I, I also think that, you know, when, I was, when we were talking about how hard it would be to kidnap somebody in the woods... Because you have to go find them, it would just be easier to do it in the city. Although, I will say in his defense, though, um, there have been a few cases of people disappearing and coming back that really made me think scopolamine was involved. That uh, that drug that just makes you just go, oh, yeah, sure, absolutely, yeah, yeah, just do whatever you say. Yeah, just insanely compliant. All right, that is a, that's our comments for today's episodes. We really appreciate you guys. Anytime you guys comment on any of our stuff, we appreciate it. We go over the comments, good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, yeah. So Okay. Before we get into, like, any specifics involving 
haunted towns, ghost towns, and things like that. <coughs> I want to talk a little bit in the general about it. Sure. Um, one of the first things that I was thinking about is one of the reasons why these sort of places become hotspots for paranormal activity is they are highly liminal, and there does seem to be a connection between liminal spaces and areas that are haunted. Because it, a ghost town is kind of the go-between between established territory and wilderness. It's a place that was established territory, but is now receding into wilderness. Okay. It has the stables of the familiar, but also the trappings of the strange. So I think one part that contributes to them being more paranormal is just how very liminal these areas are. So would they, would you say that it, that if we go by a town that we think is haunted and we just hear bizarre screams and phenomenon, that would be called superliminal? Um, <laughs> that's a, we call that a superliminal haunting. <laughs> well, liminal just means like it's between. Right, right. Um, like that's why I would say like just there's no in between. We just I, flat out I know say, that there's you know, something you know going what I on think there. You call that you call that the cops. You call the cops at that point. <laughs> that's 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 true. No, I, I, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I think that it's stuck on the, uh, it, it is in that in-between. I also think that the reason, did you realize that, like, in many of our case files that we did, the vast majority of our season finales were always a town? Yeah, I noticed that. He, you know, it was so, and we just sort of happened to uh, just decide that these would be really cool things to do, where we would just talk about an entire town. But I, I, I think the main reason why is because I think most people's general, uh, like, some of their very first paranormal experiences is something that's going on in some haunted part of their town. Like, something that they just associate with their town. And there's also something fascinating with the idea of it's not just one haunted spot. It's a large, expensive, haunted location. And often these places will have multiple forms of paranormal activity, and I think that really grabs the brain and drags you into mm-hmm. the why of the paranormal instead of just the how or the what of the paranormal. It really helps you get to the root of what is the core bed phenomena here. Like something has gone, something has just grown so much that it encompasses an entire town. Well, it's like we talk about a lot. There seems to be a connection between different things in the paranormal that should not be connected. It seems to be a trend that we've notice as this has gone on and other researchers have mm-hmm. pointed it out as well. But what is the meta particle that connects these seemingly unrelated things is still yet unknown. But when you find a town that has a lot of different stuff mixed together, I kind of feel like that might be a good start a starting point or at least gets the brain thinking along those lines. Absolutely. Well, I mean, but again, but is it, it might be kind of like when we were talking about missing 401, but it's, it's such a huge space that it could be just more than one thing that's going on, particularly in that part of that town. It's possible, but often it's almost seems too condensed. Because in some town, some abandoned towns, you'll find legends of a curse, signs of occultic activity, hauntings, poltergeist activity, encrypted Cryptids, activity, yeah. which is a lot to cram in one area. Sure, like the occultic activity was probably drawn by the others, but it still seems. Too condensed, like overly condensed. You know what? And it, you know what's really weird though is there's a lot of times in which you have these haunted towns, like whole towns, and people don't know that they're there. Like yes. imagine having like such a a massive just blank in an, in an area that even people close by may not even necessarily know how haunted of a thing that is. And that's and that that's something that still shocks me about the normies that are out there. Even though we love you, it still shocks <laughs> me that there are sometimes that there's just People out there that just don't even know that there's entire swaths of area connected to, to paranormal activity. Check this out. You know our photographer friend, Missy? Yes. Me and her were just hanging out one day, and she brings up that she's going to be driving up north of Indianapolis, which is quite a drive from here in Evansville, to go take pictures at this abandoned church. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what's so special about that one? She's like, oh, it's just abandoned. And I'm like, so you're just looking for an abandoned church. So I start doing my research. and about I basically dip out the conversation, just go into research mode. And reemerged about 30 minutes later with several abandoned churches just here in Evansville, here and around Evansville. Oh, yeah. And there are a lot of them, too. One of them's in the middle of town and has rumors of it being haunted and other paranormal activities occurring there. It's so crazy about how we can have a town where there's so many abandoned buildings and people just don't even... Like, you'll drive past and even people just don't realize that. Yep. And, like, a lot of them can have, like, that weird connection to the paranormal. Actually, truthfully, and we've talked about it multiple times, like, there's whole sections of Evansville itself. There's a whole section of Evansville. Super haunted. 
Yeah. And people don't even know that part of town, not only is not haunted, even exists. And we're going to be getting that into that here in a sec, but there's actually another point in the general of haunted towns I wanted to get into. Mm-hmm. Sorry to blow your intro. It's okay. But the other thing is the means by which this occurs and the mental activity that would be going on in the area. Most people in the paranormal do say that if you're in an area where there's been a lot of emotional and mental strife, turmoil, and other sort of negative energies, you're more likely to run into something like a shadow person, a ghost. Some people will even lump demonic entities in that area. And it seems to be a pretty heavy association within the field, at least. But when you think about when an area becomes abandoned, it's usually due to one of two causes. Either human-caused or natural-caused catastrophes like floods, um, uh, like in Old Leavenworth, where it was abandoned because a fire got loose and it wasn't worth rebuilding the town. Mm -hmm. Um, Earthquakes are another common one. Mudslides can happen. The other one would be economic disaster, where instead of it being one big burst thing, it's a slow decline that causes it to starve out. Both of those things are going to cause different sort of emotional reactions, but I think both are relevant to talk about because in a catastrophe case, you're being stripped of some, in some cases, literally everything you own, you're being forced to move away. You're being put in this extremely vulnerable situation and often very suddenly where you didn't have time to mentally prepare, where that would almost be like a boom burst of like psychic activity. And I could see that staining it. Yeah. Well, like most rural, really tiny towns are the, the vat are, are generally very heavily like rely on one on, on generally on one place to provide the bulk of the like economic flow that's in there. Like when we talked, like when we did the oil pit squid episode and we yep. talked about uh, Anderson and how many people were connected to the plant, the, the car manufacturing plant that was in there, literally like 75% of that of, of the town of Anderson worked at that automotive plant. So when it closed down, how much like when it finally closed down, like how, destitute that it made that area and people end up having to leave. My dad's worked in a lot of different manufacturing jobs his entire life and just has seen that over the course of time, like where people will just work typically at one place. And if it shuts down, people have no other, like there's really nowhere else that you can generally get money a lot of times. And, and they think about how in. far you would go for that company then to make sure nothing hurts that company. Oh, because yeah. that's the livelihood of not only you, but probably most of the people you right. know. Right. Well, I mean, that'll cause, cause like a mass exodus of the town in a very short amount of time and people are just going to leave and they're just going to just sit there and just dilapidate and people are, just, you know, or just it's going to be even fewer people that are going to live in the area. And that's a good segue into the economic disaster because a lot of abandoned towns occur through the means you're talking about. And mm-hmm. in older ones, it's usually more based around mines drying up or things like that. But right. that's going to cause a different sort of psychic stain, though. But it's still going to be very powerful. It's going to be intense desperation and hopelessness stretch out over a long period of time true. as yeah. people see what they value, what they know, wither around them. Yeah, and you, and you talk about the, you were talking about like that that psychic boom that just that at once a huge amount of negative emotion is just going to encompass an entire area. Yeah, I would be shocked that, that wouldn't draw some sort of like like paranormal entities to the air because it would just, it's, it'd be like a buffet. Like it would just be like this massive beacon that's just lit for people to become like for entities to become drawn to, to want to go there. And that's definitely a thing within the paranormal field. And we've talked a lot about that in our videos that where we've talked about shadow people, where we feel that they are mm-hmm. drawn to negative emotion. I don't think I've seen any, I don't think I've seen an abandoned town yet that I've invested, that I've looked into in which shadow people we're not some sort of way involved typically in it. Oh yeah, like where people are reported seeing them. Even me and Ricky Bruckman were investigating a abandoned tunnel mm-hmm. where um, a few people had died and a lot of work was put into, and then the tunnel just didn't work out. Um, and we had noticed shadow people around there, which would make sense because think about all the anguish put into building this, and then it never coming to fruition. No, I always it always makes me really wonder when you're investigating a, like an abandoned town. To wonder who owns the town, because sometimes like just wondering like would it just be cheaper just to just to demolish it and just sell the land for farmland or a just lot build? of it's state land nowadays. Yeah. I know a lot of the ones that I've researched here in Indiana are owned by the state now. Yeah, and they just seize it and they just don't do anything with it. Yeah, there's a directory of abandoned towns uh, in Indiana, mm-hmm. and most of them will list the uh, the owner of the area. And mm-hmm. on a lot of them, it's just that it's state owned property now. Even more of a weird connection of why is the state buying this stuff up? Probably because it was left abandoned and just and it became what was it called? Un, 
co- or incorporated land or something like that. Unincorporated land, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I don't like, know a lot about land ownership laws, so if any of you guys know about that stuff, I might be entirely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, like, if if, if it leaves, who's going to pay? Like, who's going to, like, we're not, if we don't pay your taxes on it, what are they going to do? They're going to take the land. I mean, they're, they're just going to end up seizing it. So it's a good way for them to just buy it up at the cheap. And who wants to end up paying large land taxes on a whole lot of yeah. smoldering or rotting wreckage? Yeah, that's why nobody takes anything. That's why the government just ends up buying it up. Which is really weird. Which is really, really weird. But, yes, you're wanting to get into the town that we wanted to talk about. Yeah. One that we've talked about other times on the channel. And old veterans are going to... Find this very familiar. No, ah, yeah, yeah. So, like, we we here now. Like, I I want to say like the very the very first haunted town or part of town that I that I I personally ever became accustomed because you never forget that right would be Dogtown here in Avondale, Indiana, which is really weird. Like, I don't know if this is something that is um that's unique to Evansville. I need other people to to give me feedback on that. But Evansville has a lot of different parts of town that are just called something town. Like, there's Jimtown, Stringtown, Dogtown. Oh, God, there's another. There's one that starts with an M, but I can't remember off the top of my head. There's another. T- there's, I know there's at least one more other than that. But what's really weird is everybody in Evansville is very familiar with Stringtown, Jimtown, uh, and, and, and that, but... A lot of people don't know Dogtown. Yeah, they don't know, that, they don't know that it's there. This whole other section of town that a lot of people still live in. And it's yep. a whole different section of the town. But. Like, you could arguably call Dogtown a ghost town or not a ghost town. I would. I mean, it's definitely uh, an area in decline. Yeah, drive th- you drive through it and tell me you wouldn't call that part of Evansville ghost town. I'm not knocking the people that live there yet, but, I mean, it's, it's hard to not drive through that and not get a weird, just chilling vibe from that section of Evansville. And before we get into, like, the description of right. what happened there, one of the other things I want to say is it's... Although very connected to the town, if you were just driving through and didn't know how close it was, you would not think that that's the case. It feels very isolated. Yeah, it feels like its own town. It feels like another town. It doesn't <laughs> feel like part of Evansville. Beyond that, it's in a very strange placement. There's a little peninsula below Evansville that no one goes to because there's no reason to go to it. It's just this little whoop peninsula just right below the town. So he's trying to avoid saying that it looks like a testicle. It looks like a testicle. <laughs> it really it does. does. It looks, it looks like like, if you looked at a map of Vanderburg County, it looks like the testicle of Vanderburg County. And there's only <laughs> a handful of entrances in and out, and it's hard to get in there. Like, uh, yeah. there's a friend of my mom's that comes down um, every few years, parks, uh, parks a uh, sailing boat at the dock, and then he has me come down, pick him up, and I take him around the town. Getting in there to pick him up can sometimes be very hard because you go to the first entrance and, oh, hey, there's a train, and it's not moving because they're unloading it on the tracks. This is going to be blocked off for literally hours. I like how you just casually just just grazed over someone sailed into Evansville. We live in Indiana, man. You just sailed into town. He he sails up and down the river. I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh, yeah, there's tons of docks down there. I know there's tons of docks down there, but I didn't realize people just sailed up and down the Ohio River. What do you think the docks are for? It's haunted. (laughs) People to drive little boats, like boats, not sailboats that you live in down there. But um, you go to the next entrance. It's going to be probably blocked off by the same train. True. And it's hard to find the other entrance that goes over it like sometimes. You literally have to go on the other side of the tracks to get there. Yeah, like the it, way that we get, we typically get there, you have to go over the tracks. Beyond that, that's only one of the difficulties on getting in and out of there. If it starts raining, yeah. you get out now. So in, in 1937, there was this massive flood along the Ohio River. And it killed hundreds of people. And there's photographs all over, all over Evansville of... Several tens of feet of water, just downtown Evansville. Yep. So after that, the city built uh, a flood wall along the downtown, except down by Dogtown. And uh, so the the town that part of town you literally drive down there, like you can literally be just twenty feet from the river from your house, like from where you live, like that close. Yeah, and it's. The land there's low enough that if you're down there and it starts raining, you can get stuck there very, very, very easily. Oh, yeah. Like, they, it will quickly become the case where 
you are going to get your car just flooded like, by water if you try to leave. The nice houses that are down there are built on several, <laughs> like have like several feet of brick that's under them, and the not so nice houses are all built on stilts. Yep, <laughs> like just like to, to handle that because it's super, super easy to flood. And what's really weird is what it makes now when I talk about like the look of the town because what happens is literally just when it starts raining, the water just rushes in, dragging everything from the majesty of the Ohio River. You guys didn't see the air quotes in that of the majesty of the Ohio River. And then as it recedes, all of that crap gets left. So what you end up getting down in Dogtown after it rains is weird crap like, you know, a porch with like 50 baby doll heads on it. Or you're driving literally in the middle of the road. There's a wheelchair on its back end with it spinning. Or a suitcase on a roof or some crazy crap like that. And just that. so you know, we haven't even gotten into the weird stuff about this place. No, that's just all stuff. That's that's just typical stuff that you'll see when you go down there. And I mean, it just it just looks like a haunted town. You're like Evansville claims this town. Like they just didn't. They just didn't like. <laughs> Is just, it technically part of Evansville? I yes, wasn't sure. I, yeah, it's Evansville. I don't oh, know, they're called Union Township. I thought they might have been their own thing. Every, there's townships all over the. I don't know. I, I said earlier, I don't know much about property we laws. We live in Mass. Night Township. Really? Did you fail civics class? <laughs> Probably. I don't think I ever took one. <laughs> you don't even know what to... What do you need to go to your trustee? Where's the trustee's office? I have no clue. How do you not know the trustee's or where the trustee's office? Give, give me a topographical map and I will navigate. <laughs> I'll be fine with that. But if you're in the city, I don't know the city things. Yeah. I grew up... Like, there were only 200 people where I lived. We didn't have any sort of officials. Our, our post office... Was a singular cubicle. <laughs> I was like, we're going to go to complain about your property taxes. I don't know. Oh, my God. But yes, it is really weird when you go down and you're like, am I still in, like, am I still in like the third largest city like in the, in the state of Indiana? And the answer is yes. It's really weird when you go down there. Okay. Want to start getting into some of the weird stuff about Dogtown? Yeah. And why we would constitute this as a ghost town? Sure. Where do you want to start? Okay. I want to start with a story I don't think we've told on the channel. Because I think most of the stuff about Dogtown, we've pretty much talked about. And you're going to have to help me with this memory because it's a little fuzzy for me. It's a little little fady. But you were there for it. I was? Yes. I remember, was. Remember that day, and tell me if I get any of this wrong, like I said, it's a little bit of a fuzzy memory at this point. We decided to go down to Dogtown in the day, and we just started picking directions to watch or to walk. We're basically doing an instinct experiment to see if we just go into this paranormally active area and just follow our instincts, follow our, our feelings and stuff, where will we end up? Was that how we ended Oh, yeah. I think I remember this. Yeah, I think, this... I think it's starting to come back to you. Was this how we ended up in the cemetery? Well, it wasn't quite a cemetery, but yeah, we'll, we'll get yeah, to that. Yeah, we'll sorry. get to that. So we just start walking down these different roads, mainly right. dirt roads, just following that's... whatever direction we feel we should be walking. Yeah, there's one main road and everything else is just dirt and gravel. So we end up going off the main road into like this kind of back area, and then we kind of start going down this little, I don't even think it's a real road. Like, I don't think you could have taken a car down that road. Mm -hmm. It was like a walking path, and it may have been trespassing. I'm, I'm not totally sure. So we start walking, and we end up in kind of this dirty, brushy area. And we both kind of don't know where to go next. We feel like we're where we were being led to or just where our instincts had taken us. So we start looking around, and we see all these big chunks of stone right. lying around us. And uh, do you want to take it from there? Yeah, so we, we're we doing it, and it's to the right of us as we're going up. And it's it's near this sort of white house. So we're treading carefully here because um, most of the people in Dogtown strongly believe in their right to bear arms. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Evansville is called the Bloody Eighth and Divided, but the people down in Dogtown very, very much believe in their Second Amendment rights. Um, and so we're like walking up near the, near this, near the house, but not up, but not up to it. And there's like this, there's a couple trees that form kind of like a triangle that form a triangle. And there's these weird stones that we see in them. And then we get up to it and it's this weird, small little cemetery plot, uh, that's literally just out in the middle of like, just out in the middle of like this weird section of town. And it's insanely degraded. I've done yeah. some restoration work on, um, on gravestones and in um, cemeteries and things like that, this place was very, very, very degraded. Mm -hmm. And there was one time that that no, no, sorry. And then we're look we're looking at the the gravestones, and some of them are actually like in the ground. Some of them are displaced. Like some of them are. You broken know how off. I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of these just rocks and stuff around. Yeah, these are all are pieces of just broken up gravestones. We're just surrounded by these gravestones that have crumbled into 
like large chunks because we threw this out because we picked one up to figure out what the heck they were and there was part of the marking still on there. It was too eroded to read, but it was clearly, this at one point was a gravestone. Mm-hmm. And I remember that one point, even after that on another investigation in Dogtown, we're going, th- we're going through that part of the town with a person who was very sensitive and they just kept saying that they felt something that was off that direction. And as they're saying that, it was in between like uh, the streets uh, Happy and Seminary, which is where we found those graves. Yeah, didn't she basically just walk us back to that spot? Yeah, yeah. she was like, she goes, I see something out there, and it's not too much from f- f- further than that. Because if you, if you drive down through Drogtown, literally, it's um, it's it's just the straight road, the straight about a mile. I would say like a couple miles. I'm trying driving to remember, was this it. L that was with us? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, good. I just wanted, to, I couldn't yeah. remember who it was, but I was thinking it was L. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, and so there was just so it, it it was just a very weird thing. And one thing that I discovered about Dogtown when I was doing research on that just part of the town was how many at times at one point they had these weird family ancestral cemetery plots just out there. Yeah, but that's not that weird. No, like no, no. I, I, I know that that's up, not. There's lots of them, but they were all. I've never seen one that degraded. That well, was extremely. I've never degraded. seen one that close to the road. Uh, you know, that's true, too. I'll give you that dude, as well. It, dude, it was like 10 feet. Yeah, it was pretty close. I don't think I've ever seen one maybe, that close Maybe to the even road. closer. Like, that's like even when we've seen some of those small little plots, I mean, literally, like, actually, you I could reach out and touch it if you were a tall basketball player. Like, there how close it is. one in Seymour, and it is supposedly haunted. It's one of those places I want me and you to go at some point, mm-hmm. where they're building a highway through that area. And uh, they were tearing up the graves, and this one guy went out with a shotgun, sat on his mother's grave, and said, if you try to tear it up, I will shoot you. Mm-hmm. They built the road around it, and it is still in the middle of the road. It's basically, there's a bend <laughs> but in the road, and it's just there in the middle. Oh, wow. And supposedly it's haunted. It's one of those places I want to take you to go see, but that's not far where I grew up. Well, it makes, me, it makes me wonder if there was something that was, that was causing the road, because it, the road to be built that close to the, that close to the... To this graveyard, I can't think of what it would be because the landscapes there relatively flat. I, I mean, there's like there was at least I want to say there was at least seven to ten, maybe great man, maybe less than that, maybe may have been closer to five to eight, like gravestones that were there whenever we were down there. And it's so weird. So many people don't know about this haunted part of town. Oh yeah. Um, let's get into some of the other weird things about Dogtown. What you got? Like, how about the time and space anomalies that you get? Like, we talked about, like, when driving down in there. There's been numerous times that me and Vic, when driving down there, like, Dogtown itself, like, on the road, if you're just driving straight through it, is about three miles, maybe? I, I would, it's a couple miles. But there have been times in which you should be able to probably drive this in the span of about ten minutes. And there's been times in which we've driven probably, I would say, 15 minutes in a straight line. And we're still in Dogtown. Now, I have not personally experienced this, but I've talked to other investigators that have told me this, and I found other people's accounts online saying it as well, that where people have encountered a fog and then basically could not find their way back for a very long time. Basically, it's like they were driving on the road with no turnoffs for an abnormal amount of time. I thought it was green mist. Oh, maybe it was green mist. But basically, some form of fog. Actually, now yeah. you say that the fog was green. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, like I want to say that was green mist that people have seen when they've been driving down there, which is super weird to see green mist down there off of the town. Like fog's pretty normal, not too far from the right. Now, don't get me wrong; the Ohio River is pretty effed up. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know if it's green. I don't know if it's green mist rolling off of it messed up. Like I don't know, but I don't know if it's that bad. Well, the people are claiming that they're encountering it at night, and I feel like. If they're encountering it at night, either it's very, very, very green, like where you're picking up very easily through the headlights, or it's somewhat bioluminescent. Mm-hmm. But there shouldn't be anything around that should cause a bioluminescent fog. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of what would cause enough green pigmentation in this area that, to cause, like, a green cloud. Mm-hmm. Although I can think of something else weird and green around there. Oh, yeah, we could talk about the, we could, we could talk about the green cloud beast from down there. So we're already up to just kind of weird psychic stuff. We want to get the monsters, um, yeah. Like temporal anomalies, spatial anomalies, and I, I there's other spatial anomalies I didn't even bring up there. But now we're going to go into a cryptid. We can do cryptids. Oh, that's but, right. Yeah, we've seen down there. So I'm gonna make sure that I get the date right. 
It is August 14th, 1955. Yeah. But if I know the other thing you're talking about, I'm not sure if I classify it as a cryptid, though. I don't classify that as a cryptid. Well, let's just start talking. It's cryptid looking. You tell me that's. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, August 14th, 1955. If you were a paranormal uh, uh, superstar, you would also know that is the exact same day as the sighting of the Hopkinsville Goblins. Which happened not far from here. Two hours, by the way. Not too far from here. Um, there was one by the name of Naomi Johnson and her friend Luis were swimming down in Dogtown. And while they were swimming down there, Naomi reported while she was swimming down there that something grabbed her by the leg around the ankle, like around the leg, and yanked her down. Uh and whenever she was like swimming down there in in, in the in the fight from and kicking away, uh, her friend was trying to help her pull her away. And one of the things that they claimed that they saw whenever they got Luis's uh, leg out of the water was that her hand had a green hand claw, green clawed handprint that was wrapped around her leg that persisted for several days. It was actually even published in the newspaper. Yes, and if you also are very familiar with the with the Hopkinsville Goblin story, that also involved weird, strange green handprints that lingered for several days, glowing handprints that that lingered for several days. And I think one of the things that you pointed out when we did a video on this, what five, six years ago. Was seven. that oh seven years ago? <laughs> seven. We're that old. <laughs> that the creatures around Hopsville were diverse, are described as being silver, mm-hmm. and that that tarnishes green. Yes, and it was really really weird that these things happened on the exact same day, leaving the exact same type of green glowing handprints on people, which was which was super. I don't. She never really got a full description. Most people generally describe it as this weird like creature from the Black Lagoon monster when you see it. Well, but I don't think she actually fully said no, what it actually she never looked did. like. And you'll find some accounts calling it a lizard man, but that's from a interview with a folklorist where who is writing a book on lizard men, and they had asked, mm. could it have been a lizard man? And she basically went, I don't know, I guess he could have been. Right. And that person just ran with it, publishing it as yeah. a lizard man story. So it kind of ran away yeah. with the story, but not part of the we original. We don't fully know exactly what the creature that grabbed her actually looked like. She just know that it was some sort of, like, Hand, like humanoid hand thing that grabbed her around the ankle and yanked her down that she had to fight her way to get away from. And if I remember right, that was around when the creature from the Black Lagoon came out. And oh, I yeah, think that's that was, why that, that was, association, oh, that was yeah. in the zeitgeist at the time. So oh, when people yeah. gave it an image, that's this what is, it was. This is the time in which you got those weird like Dracula and werewolf movies all popping out in the 1950s and 60s. Oh, yeah. And so you get people like giving it that sort of a description. Although I have heard accounts. Well, I haven't heard accounts. Let me backtrack. I have found accounts online of people claiming to have seen a lizard-like creature in Dogtown. And then I have talked to someone who had an account of seeing a humanoid-like creature with a uh, forward-facing posture that was very unhuman um, moving through the the shallows of the water during a flood. And it's so... They didn't get a good enough look to say if it was lizard or anything like that. Mm. You know... do you remember when we did our episode on Shrine Towns too? Yes. Like, and we talked about how in a lot of those, like, you know, it was sort of a description sort of given to these weird towns that have a whole bunch of like paranormal phenomena surrounding them. An element of that, of a lot of Shrine Towns that we were talking about that episode is the populace itself and like being sort of like standoffish, sometimes hostile yep. uh, in there. And you get the same thing in Dogtown when you go oh, down yeah. there. Oh, yeah. The population is very strange but are we going to have time to get into this or should we push this mm, into the pillow talk i mean you know i, I said let's let's finish this and then let's finish this part and where we talk about the town and then get in then we'll get into the pillow talk because there's, there's still i think a little bit more to talk about go for it go for it yeah so if you go down into Dogtown, it's very very if you go down during the day nicest people you will ever meet that is true when there was a it's known it's called Dogtown. generally why most people that know it is Dogtown because of the Dogtown Tavern that was there. And so, I heard that it's getting reopened. Yeah, so my great my, my great-grandparents, when I brought it up to them, and I was talking about Dogtown, they're like, oh, yeah, we had like, we love Dogtown. We would go down oh, there. Yeah. My mom used to swim down there all the time whenever she was a kid. Our buddy Nathan, not the Nathan that listens to the channel, the Nathan that we can't get to listen to our stuff, he, uh, he has all these memories of going down yeah. there and getting, I think he said, grilled cheese with his dad all the time. Oh, yeah, down there. Dogtown was great. You go down there, there's boating. There's a boating that goes on there. So it's a great, wonderful place. And then the sun goes down. Yep. <laughs> and it gets weird real fast. Yeah. You know, you, you, you talking to people about Darktown, it's uh, it's a lot like the movie Gremlins. Uh, you don't feed them after night, uh, nightfall. You got to get real, uh, you got to get real uh, particular about it because uh, the townsfolk get really uh, standoffish after after that. They will 
pull you over on the road. They will lie to you. They will do just straight up strange things. First of all, I still don't understand why Ellie put like actually stopped because they were their flashlights. I'll you know let's let's get into these in the uh, in the pillow talk and we'll go through the actual times that we've had encounters with the locals. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, any final thoughts on Dogtown? It is a strange place that, although like I will say the strangeness there is not consistent. There are times where I've investigated it and for months and months and months, every time I go out there, there'll be a strange experience, and then boom, it would fall off. Where then we would have months of literally nothing. You know, for me, it's, you know, when I really got, when I first started really getting into the paranormal was, I would say, right when we started investigating in Dogtown. So, so for me, it's investigating a haunted whole section of town uh, is how I think a lot of people really first got into the paranormal. You know, there was some sort of building, there's some sort of structure, there's some sort of like part of town typically that they go to that they investigate. So that's why it's always going to have this weird special place in my paranormal heart whenever we talk about these sorts of things. Did so. you have your first, like, really scary out on an investigation moment there? Yeah, that's whenever Ellie stopped the car. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I was light. thinking. I don't call that paranormal. I'm like, this is like, we're about to get shot. This is about oh, to no, it wasn't a scary paranormal dead. moment, but your no. scary, first scary moment on yeah, a paranormal Yeah, because I was in the front, because I was in the backseat. I'm like, man, this is how we're about to die. I'm like, I hear the, I hear yeah, the, I ban- had that feeling I hear the banjos music playing, and it's like, here, here it comes. Um... You know, so if you want to hear more about that, you got to stick around in the the pillow talk segment for it. But um, if you guys like this episode, don't forget to like. Don't forget to subscribe if you're listening on that. Uh, hit the notification bell if you're listening on YouTube. Uh, that way you can stay up to date whenever we put out a new episode. We super appreciate it. Uh, if you are listening to this anywhere where there's a review, you can leave a review. Please leave us a review. Uh, it always is a great way to help out the podcast. I super appreciate that. But until next time, guys, keep believing because we'll keep listening. All right, guys, we're going to slide into the Pillow Talk segment of the podcast. If you want to check out the rest of this awesome podcast, all you got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up. For those little, little dollars a month, you get the rest of this awesome podcast as well as bonus episodes that we put out exclusively for our patrons. And if you are $2 more uh, a month, uh, you get to vote on uh, the theme of our content for the month in our poll that we put out. And I'm looking at our poll now, and the current winner... Uh, is unimportant. Moving on. Okay, now wait, wait, what's the current now, winner? What's the current winner? It's, it's uh, there. Okay, so I made him uh, put thunders on. Is that one winning? Is uh, time and space anomalies has a vote? It's a very good topic idea, guys. Past life phenomenon is still on there, by the way. Uh, if people want to change their vote to that conspiracy iceberg, which has a soft spot in my heart that I would love for us to do, and then some other uh, uh, something winning, about winning. something about giant birds or cryptids. And is, hey, we can talk about thunderbirds. We can talk about pterosaurs. We can get into all sorts of neat stuff there. Um, I'm, I'm giving maybe my, a revisit to some stuff on the Van Meter monster. I'm giving in my two weeks uh, <laughs> podcast here now. Uh, so I'm going in a direction now for this. You'll be okay. This You'll is, survive. I'm also starting to wonder if this was also personal, guys, because that is a huge just. Lancelot's like side of this. Just so you know, guys. That's on there. Just so you know, man, it's personal. I, I'm <laughs> starting to believe that. I thought that we were cool shades. I, I, called, I called every patron up and <laughs> was, was like, hey, you got to vote for this one. So the, the couple of you that did not vote for Giant Bird Cryptons, I appreciate you uh, so much. And those that <laughs> voted for Giant Bird Cryptons, I appreciate you less. <laughs> Just a little less. And I appreciate you that much more. As much as you dropped with him, I have redoubled that amount, <laughs> and that is how much more love I have. <laughs> oh man! So all right, so let's, we, we've been dancing around what uh, happened did. to us. So, that night. Okay, so we okay. So one of the times that we were talking. So before let me, before let me we get into the background this, real quick. Oh, okay. when you go down there, it is not uncommon that you will be followed. Yep. You will take odd turns that no one would normally make, and the same car will just follow you around and follow you around. But usually, eventually, they move off. Like, I've driven through rural parts a lot, and sometimes it's not uncommon for you to just see another car coming up on the side of the road or from behind you, and it just goes on its merry way. Okay, there is no reason to turn onto some of these back roads unless you live on one of those back roads, and it's a pretty weird circumstance that they're just going to keep following you every single time. turn onto these back roads as they focus onto us.